Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Cause Church. We're honored and blessed to have you here. Um, we are going to begin today. Media guys, just go with me here, or media ladies. Brooke, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. We are continuing our series, A Heart for His House. And I found out between our two services that today is National Tell-A-Joke Day. And so I robbed the early service by not telling one, so I'm going to have to tell two in this one, all right? Don't get too excited. What do you call a, a fat psychic? A four-chin teller. Okay. You like that one, David Garner, back there? Okay, okay, right. How about, um, what, what do you call a boy who finally stood up to the bully? An ambulance. <laughs> okay. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. Let's start because I had no plans for this part of the message. And so I'm giving you some bonus stuff today. Sometimes it pays off coming to the later service. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Father, thank you for these next few minutes in this gathering Lord, what a power is that is present here today at this moment because we're here, you're here, you're in our midst and your spirit is here and you have things to speak to us, things to show us and to reveal to us. So Father, we, we set our minds and our hearts on you at this moment and we welcome your word and its entrance into our lives let it, let it take deep root because it is a seed. And we thank you that that seed, we, we prepare our hearts to receive that seed and all that it brings to us. Your scripture says that your word is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. We thank you for that and we receive your word today with thanksgiving and gladness in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting, this verse of scripture. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. This man comes face to face with a life-changing opportunity. And that is, he, it doesn't say how he found the treasure. And it doesn't say uh, that he was even on a treasure hunt. It doesn't say that he was interested in buying a piece of property or or anything like that. It, it implies that he was actually surprised to discover this treasure out in this field. You know, I've never met a person who came to Christ who had expected to find what they found when they found salvation. And some of you that are here today had a friend who, you know, just kept bugging you to go to church with them or maybe a spouse or, or a family member and you finally gave in just to, you know, get them to leave you alone. Anybody here, was that your story? 
finally showed up. But, but some of you uh, may have been, uh, you know, may, may have been promised lunch afterwards, whatever it took to bribe you to get you to church. And uh, it was worth it because, you know, it, after all, it was a free lunch. But on, on this day, on this day, the, the one day of this man's life, something that had been hidden is now revealed. Uh, the good news of salvation, it really remains abstract and obscure if we don't have revelation, if we don't have understanding. And, and, it, and so it remains kind of under the surface and hidden in people's lives. And many people walk into the field and they, they walk through the field, around the field, and, and never see the treasure that's there. And I, I found that to, to be true in, in church. And many come and kind of touch, are, are kind of on the surface and kind of checking it out from a distance, but not really seeing the treasure that's here, really seeing what is really happening in this place. And, you know, and if we, we just look at the Scripture and we, we think about our relationship with God on, on a surface level, then you, you really won't take in and understand really what this whole thing is about and what God is wanting to accomplish in, in your life as well as in the earth. I mean, you think about the things that we do that are a bit strange. And if you don't have revelation, and we've talked about this before, if you don't have revelation on it, it's very odd. Like water baptism, that is a, if you have no revelation of what's going on there, that is an odd thing, right? You come to church and the pastor's up there and he's dipping people under water and you know, what the heck is that about? If you don't have revelation on what's going on, that is strange. Or, 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 or you're standing there with your grape juice and your cracker, and the guy up here is telling you that's a body and that's blood. Drink up. Eat up. Right. If you don't have revelation about that, it's very strange, isn't it? But it's, it's the treasure that's hidden, and God calls us into this place of understanding. You know, when it comes to our revelation of Jesus Christ and having Him in our lives, Paul said this was a mystery that was hidden throughout the ages. Guys like David and Moses and, and Abraham, they didn't have the understanding that you have right now. I mean, these were great men and accomplished great things, but they did not understand what you understand today. This was locked away from them. This mystery was hidden from them. And Paul says, but now it's been revealed at this time, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. And when this treasure is revealed, it's, it's an indescribable moment that is compelling. It, this treasure of salvation, this treasure of a new life in Christ, it, it births a whole new life uh, of you seeing what once before you really couldn't see. You know, and people wonder what all the fuss about is about with you and your church life. This guy who comes upon this treasure, hides it back again, and then joyfully decides to buy this piece of property. He's going to buy this field. You, you get the feeling that this man doesn't want to miss this marvelous window of opportunity. And you might, you might write this down for a moment. There are two things about opportunity, and we come across opportunity. The first thing is it typically, typically comes in unexpected ways, at unexpected times, in unexpected places. Opportunity often comes, typically, typically come, I can't say the word typically, what's wrong with me? In unexpected ways, at unexpected times, in unexpected places. And number two thing about opportunities, our lives are defined by how we respond to those windows of opportunity that God gives to us. 
Some of the best things happen when we respond in a positive way to those opportunities that God gives to us. And I want to say that the church is one of the greatest opportunities, and the experiences that take place in church are some of the greatest opportunities, if not the greatest, that you'll experience on planet earth. Amen. Now I want you to go to the book of Psalms chapter 92 today as we continue this series. I don't have time to go into much review over the things that we've discussed, but we do have a podcast and and we upload all of our sermons. You can go to onecausechurch.com and uh, download any of those sermons there for you to to grow in and to listen throughout the week to encourage you and to build your life. But we did see uh, in the first week these two kings, David and Asa, who both had a heart for the Lord, and that heart was reflected in their heart for God's house. David wanted to build God a marvelous house. As Brian's voiceover was on this video, it must be glorious and and famous, magnificent, famous throughout all nations. This was what was in David's heart concerning the house of God. He said, I'm sitting in a really beautiful home, and yet God is dwelling in a tent. I want to do something about that. And God was well pleased with David's desire to build God a house. However, David wasn't the guy to do it. His son Solomon would actually take on that project and build this marvelous structure called the Temple of Solomon, which was, which was uh, full of gold and silver and and inlaid with gold all over the place and, and cedar and iron and bronze. And it was a marvelous structure. And David had brought so much, so much abundance in supply to this that there was no limit to what Solomon could do. That's what he said. He said, the limits are off, Solomon. Build this thing and do it great. And he did. And God said in 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 3, after Solomon had built the house, this is how God responded once all the work had been complete. And, uh, and this, is, this is where we're basically taking this message from. This is our foundation message, uh, verse. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to my name, to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. It's beautiful. Well, God said, I'm gonna, my eyes are there and my heart is there perpetually. Or the message translation says, my eyes are on it and my heart is in it always or forever. So, but that structure no longer is there. They, uh, when the Babylonians raided Jerusalem in 586 B.C., they utterly destroyed Solomon's temple. Ezra and Nehemiah reconstructed it, rebuilt the city wall and the temple, and then Herod added to it hundreds of years later. But then that was destroyed in A.D. 70 by Titus and the Roman army, and where they dismantled that temple stone from stone. Jesus even prophesied that very thing. Not one stone will be left on another, and truly it came to pass. But God said, my eyes are on it, and my heart is in it always. How did he say that if it's not there anymore? Because God saw something further down the road. And what he saw was you sitting here in this room today. And he saw his church actually in the world all over the place, that God would no longer dwell in things made with hands. He would dwell in men. The Scripture says that now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You are the house of God. And when we come together in this gathering, see, then we see what we all are a part of because the scripture says when it talks about the church, it likens the church to a body. It likens the church to a family, uh, to a house. And being a body, all of you are all individual members of that body, which means God cares about you and he cares about your individual function in the body. Not one of you is insignificant. All of you are purposefully placed in the body as he wills for his purpose. Amen. 
So you, you bear great significance in the kingdom of God and in the church today and in this world today. And I want you to never underestimate the power and the influence that the house of God has in your life. Never underestimate that. And never underestimate the power and the influence that the church that you are in right now, which happens to be one cause today, that, that you're in right now has in your house and in your children's lives and in your family and in wherever you go, that it affects everything about your life. I know that my life is my life because of my connection to the house of God. Heather and I figured this out a long time ago. The secret to the blessing and the success and the joy that we have in life is directly connected to the house of God and to our being there. And I found these things, and we're going to see out of Psalm chapter 92 just how powerful that is. And I thought it was really cool that the scripture reading this morning was found in Isaiah chapter 40, because I had that in my notes, verse 31, that says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love that. Anybody need some of that today? Huh? Need that in our lives. But this scripture teaches us something powerful. That's why I want you to understand not to underestimate what's going on right here and what it's doing for your life because it says they that wait upon the Lord. That word wait means to actually gather together just like we're seeing right here, to gather together with an expectation. You know, you're going to get out of church what you expect to get out of church. Well, I don't get much out of there. It's because that's what you expect not to. Expect not to get much out of, out of church. Expect much, and you'll receive much. As a matter of fact, yeah. God will take it to the next level, to that exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or to expect. Amen. And that's his desire. That's the desire because he is freely gives us all things. Yeah. I mean, if he's handing it out, don't we want it? Yeah. I mean, whatever he's giving, I want that. Yeah. Right? And so it's important that you and I set our minds and our hearts that when we come to the house of God, that our lives are going to be affected. Our lives are going to be changed by what happens in this gathering today. When I come to the house of God, I'm going to find strength. I'm going to mount up with wings like when I come to church today, I'm going to find strength for my run. I will run and I will not grow weary. I'm going to have endurance for this race. When I come to this house, my walk of faith is going to be strong and I'm not going to faint. And the temptation's there, but being connected to this house, being connected to this gathering is what causes us to move forward with great, great success. Amen. Have you found Psalm 92? Yeah, good. Well, I haven't. There it is. The righteous. Say, that's me. Well, make sure you're righteous first. Make sure that you've done enough good deeds. All right? Isn't that how we get righteous? Go to church at least four times in a row, and you get your, your ticket punched for righteousness? Uh, by faith, just like our father Abraham was made righteous by faith, we're made righteous by faith in Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Hallelujah. I love that. Because as, as this uh, new ministry that we're going to be birthing here called The Exchange, this is where we really find who we are because we find out who Jesus is. You'll never really know who you are until you know who Jesus is. Because of that, we don't live changed lives. We live exchanged lives. So what happened when he became sin and we became... He became sin and we became... What happened? There was an exchange. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He, though he was rich... 
yet for your sakes became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. An exchange took place. He took, he took poverty, you took rich. You got the better end of both of those deals so far, right? The scripture says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So he was wounded and you were healed. An exchange took place. Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, say that's me, that we might receive the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, Galatians 3, 13 and 14, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So he became a curse and an exchange took place and you became blessed. He became a curse, you became blessed. You see this? And then we who were far from God, who were lost in sin, the Son of the living God, the Scripture says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So He, the Son of God, became then the Son of Man, so that we, the sons of men, could become sons of God in exchange. The righteous shall flourish. The righteous shall flourish. That word flourish means to break out, not in a rash. (laughs) To break out, to break forth, to increase and to prosper. This is glorious. The righteous, this is you, shall flourish like the palm trees. (laughs) Like the palm tree. Another one of those funny scriptures to me. And I know Brian, who is a writer, and a very good writer, by the way. We're going to have to have you do some poetry again very soon. The guy can put words together just marvelously. I mean, is this how you would describe the flourishing righteous? I think about, I think, Lord, sometimes I want to read those scriptures and I think, I, I think I could have said that better, Lord, if you would just let me or let Brian interrupt there, you know. But there's some things in the scriptures that we, like I said, if we don't have understanding, then they're just kind of funky to us. Like in the book of Revelation, how many have ever read the book of Revelation, right? How many have ever been scared reading the book of Revelation? Yeah, maybe you, maybe you haven't been scared reading it, but a lot of the preaching of it makes you scared because a lot of these guys have, these wackos don't know what they're talking about for the most part. I'm sorry. They just don't. They, they, they scare people and they write books, right, to take your money to tell you when Jesus is coming back, and none of them have ever figured it out. But they don't mind taking your money from you and lying to you, right, and getting people all riled up. Well, when's he coming back? Who cares? He's coming back. Great. All right, live for Jesus. Get over it. The Scripture says we're not supposed to know. All right, even Jesus doesn't know. These know that? If Jesus doesn't know, I promise you, you're not going to know. He says the Father's kept that. I don't even know. You know why Jesus doesn't know? Because he would tell you. He'd let it out. Because now he's in covenant with you. Right? The covenant keeper doesn't keep secrets. Right? If God told him, he'd be like, hey, I found, guess what I found out? Don't tell, don't tell the father. Right? No, he, so, so since he, he doesn't, but, but the, the, the book of Revelation actually 
if you read it, it says it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's amazing how they've made it about other things than him, the man, right? But where was I going? I'm lost now. Palm trees? Oh, yeah, 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 okay. One of the things that, thank you, palm trees. One of the things that it says about Jesus, and it talks about this, and, and, and for those who, who are not, do not belong to God, it is going to be a terrifying time, right? Those who do not belong to Him, it will be terrifying. It will be horrible. I mean, the Scripture calls the day of judgment the great and terrible day of the Lord. For you, great. <laughs> for the others, terrible. The great and terrible day of the Lord, Okay. It's when all men will stand before him and give an account of their life. And all those excuses that they made here on earth, none of them will stand when they stand before him. None of them. So it says that in that time that wrath is going to be poured out on the earth and it is described in the scriptures as the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb? Come on, God. You can do better. I mean, that's not... What's so ominous about an angry little lamb? I mean, does that spark terror in you? The wrath of the Lamb. I don't know. I've never seen an angry lamb. I'm not too sure it would bother me all that much if I did. The wrath of the Lamb. So it's things like that. You go, why did you describe it that way, God? Well, because it was the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. John, when he saw him, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. It was the Lamb who shed his blood for our sins. We're grateful to God for that, right? So then it is the Lamb who, will, who gets to wreak havoc or wreak vengeance on those who reject his blood sacrifice. That's why it's called the wrath of the lamb and not the wrath of the, which I would say the wrath of the lion of the tribe of Judah. That sounds powerful, right? But it's the wrath of the lamb because the lamb is the one who was slain. All right? So this is one of those places that flourish like a palm tree, right? You think, okay, like a palm tree. Except unless you know how palm trees work. Have you ever seen a hurricane before, right? Heather and I, I told in the earlier service, we were down in Galveston, Texas four years ago and we'd, we were there to take our kids on a, on a cruise from there, a carnival cruise, and a carnival cruise. It's kind of funny that the Holler family was on the carnival cruise because we bring the carnival when we're on the cruise. <laughs> but what, we were there touring around the town for a couple of days, actually, before we, before we left the port there. And, and Hurricane Act, they were still rebuilding from that, that terrible hurricane that took place. And our taxi driver told us that in his house personally, that he had had four and a half feet of standing water in his house. And uh, he showed us they had this chalk line on one of the buildings of how high the water level had risen at one point. It was, it was devastating. Blew over fire trucks, blew over, I mean, big old oak trees that had been there for years and years and years. Just blew them over and willow trees and blew out the glass out of all these buildings. And yet all along the beach and everywhere else that you could see a palm tree, none of them were affected by it. They were simply just blowing in the wind and unmoved. I don't know how all that works, but there's something, I think there's something about that flexible trunk. What do you think? 
Like, like Dr. Terry Sparks says so wonderfully, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. I think that's a good, good proverb to live by. We, as the righteous of God, uh, as righteousness of God, we understand who we are. We understand who we are, that we're rooted and we're grounded in Him in love. And so then that way we're not moved by the, the temporary external circumstances that go around us. The wind can blow and the rain can beat, but it doesn't matter. We're going to flourish like the palm tree. Amen. That's you. Say, that's me. Amen. So, and the scripture doesn't, it never teaches us how to quit. It just doesn't. It doesn't give us a formula. Now, if the trouble gets up to this level, then you can lay down and die. That's fine. Okay, I, I totally understand. No, it never does. It never gives us a formula to quit. That's why we pray all the way to the very end for victory and for life and for health. We stay with it all the way. Are you hearing me? I mean, I've come into hospital rooms with people gasping their last breath, and I'm still thanking Jesus for their healing. I'm still thanking God in Jesus' name that they are healed. I mean, at, just because they don't receive that at that moment doesn't mean that this is not true. It doesn't mean I'm ever going to stop believing His Word. I mean, I've laid hands on people. They've, they've been healed. I've laid hands on people. They haven't been healed. But that's, that's not going to persuade me either way, whether I see it happen or whether I don't. I, I believe it because that's what it says in the scripture. Are you hearing me today? Our faith is in the word, not in the doing, not in the practice of things. Our faith is in the word. It's the substance. It's, and so we hold on to that word whether we see it or not. Because many times the problem is not with God's willingness and not with God's ability. Many times it is with us and our stinking unbelief and doubt. Right? But people a lot of times don't want to admit that. They don't like their sacred faith to be talked about. Right? But I want to know. I do. I want to know. If, it, if my faith is the problem, I need to know that. I don't want to be ignorant in life going, well, saying things like, well, God must have had a plan and all of it. You are supposed to get quiet there. <laughs> we don't understand the ways of the Lord. And just continue to live this ignorant existence. Okay. I don't know. Whatever's born of God does what? Overcomes the world. Overcomes the world. That means the world and everything in it. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. How many believe that faith is important then? It's important that we, that we operate in faith because that is the victory that overcomes the world. It's not that which takes you to victory. It is the right now place of victory. As Heather was saying, you have victory on the inside of you. All right? Hope. Hope is future. Faith is right now. It is that right now substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? And then the Scripture also says, You are of God, little children, and have already overcome them, for greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. There's no formula for quit. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for you, it really doesn't matter who's against you at all. Say this, God plus me equals a majority. Hallelujah. That's good. It's good to know God's on your side today. And God's goodness is so far superior and greater than the level of evil that is in this world. Right? This one scripture teaches us that where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So what are we going to talk about then? What are we going to focus on? What are we going to preach about? What are we going to, are you hearing me? What are we going to be thinking about? Because we can talk about all the problems in this world. We can do that all day long. We can talk about the sin. And we can talk about all the kinds of 
poor choices and the terrible things that are going on in the world, or we can talk about the greater thing. Sin's abounding out there. Yeah, but grace much more abounds. All right, so we're going to talk about the goodness and the greatness of God because it's far superior than any weakness of man, any frailty. And any, somebody's got to talk about sin. Well, go ahead. But as for me and my house, we're going to declare his goodness in the earth. By the way, the gospel is not a declaration of sin. The gospel is not a declaration that men are sinners. The gospel is a declaration that Christ died for our sins. Christ is the message of the gospel. Christ is the substance of the gospel. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. There it is. The good news. It's called the good news. Amen. It's the good news is what brings people up out of their sin. It's the good news that calls people out of darkness and brings them into his marvelous light. It's the good news who takes a dead man and makes him alive again. Because we, we didn't need to just turn over a new leaf, right? We didn't just need to have an improved life to have behavior modification. No, we were dead. We were resurrected in, in Christ Jesus. It wasn't a sickness problem. It was a death problem. All right? But he brought us to life. He made us alive together with him. By grace are you saved. All right, we must continue. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Verse 13, those who are planted, say planted. Where are they planted? In the house of the Lord. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall what? Flourish in the courts of our God. So he gives us this promise about the righteous. The righteous will flourish like the palm tree. And this is how they're going to flourish. You see that? Those that are planted. Those righteous that are planted are the ones who are going to flourish. Those righteous who are planted are the ones who are going to break forth, to break out, to increase, and to prosper. Those righteous who are planted, they shall flourish. So it's not about trying to find that perfect church. It's about being planted all right? Because you won't find the perfect church. Amen. 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 Can I get a better amen than that? You won't find it. I think this church is just real close to perfect. Real close. But you know, when we all got here, it became imperfect. You, can, you might walk through the doors of the perfect church, but then when you walk in, it's no longer perfect. Amen. So this is really about being planted than anything else, right? And so this, if you plant yourself, then you'll eliminate excuses of why you shouldn't be there. Why you shouldn't be there. Planted means that you're a constant there, okay? It means you're a constant there because you, we can come up with all kinds of excuses of why we shouldn't be there, why don't, we don't need to be there, why it's not important, blah, 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 all those kinds of things. Well, we've all played the game, Right? But the truth is, <clears throat> we're not going to experience what this causes us to experience if we're not planted. There's one solution. Get planted. One solution. Yeah. One solution. Get planted. And this is a family. One of those things that the, the Scripture describes the church as is a family. You all have family here, right? And I was telling the earlier service, every family has a know-it-all in it, doesn't it? Right? Are you thinking of that person right now? Yeah? You're thinking of them. I ha my family has more than one. 
I'm not saying there's one, more than one know-it-all, but there are. And if today you're sitting here and you're thinking, I, don't, I can't think of one, then you're the know-it-all. <laughs> you're it. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. So this is a family. We're a family. And, and in this family, there's a mix of all kinds of good, bad, and ugly. Even Jesus' family was a bit jacked up. All right? If you read through his lineage, you can read Jesus' lineage in, in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. And now all of a sudden, these names that pop out, Rahab, who was a harlot. Whoa. And she's right there. One who helped bring Jesus into the world in that lineage. There's David. David, the man who killed a man to have his wife. Had a man killed to have his wife. He's there. This Jesus family, huh? Thank God for that, huh? Doesn't that give us all hope today? Amen. The church is a family. It's a family. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you're in my family. <laughs> I'm going to finish with this, verse 14. They shall bear fruit. They shall still. Any old people in here? I didn't think so. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall still bear fruit when? In old age. Oh, this is beautiful. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Hallelujah. This is good. This is part of that blessing of Abraham that's on you. That's why Christ became a curse so that that blessing of Abraham would come upon you. Not only that he, you will be blessed and that you will be a blessing, but this blessing of old age, being fruitful in old age, is also part of the blessing of Abraham. You remember when Abraham had his first child? He was 100 years old. All right? And the scripture says he was as good as dead at that point. I would say, that's what we say about old people, you know, 100-year-old people. One foot in the grave, the other one close by. And that's what the scripture considered him. He didn't even start his life with God till he was 75 years old. Right? But my family, when he got in connection with God, when he got in faith, something marvelous happened to that old man's body. Some of you old men need a little help today. Something marvelous happened to that old man's body. All right? I mean, God healed, 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 healed him. He got so healed. How healed was it? Okay. That after Sarah died, after Sarah died, right? Sarah, his wife, who had Isaac at 90 and he was at 100, Abraham gets remarried. All right? He's got to be somewhere around 140 years old at this point. All right? 140 years old. He gets remarried to a woman named Keturah and has six more kids. That guy got healed, man. He got healed. And when the scripture says that when he went to sleep, he, went to, he, went, he died at the age of 175 years. He was all, I mean, he was already on his way out at 75, got in connection with God, and God gave him 100 more years on the earth. Good years. And the scripture says that he died at a good old age. That same blessing that was on him is the same blessing on you. It's on you today. We receive that? Uh, some of you old people, you really need to grab a hold of that. They shall still bear fruit. Just because you get old doesn't mean you check out of life. 
God still has things he wants to accomplish through you and in you. You're just as meaningful and significant as anybody else in this world. Amen. If you're still sucking air, God still has a plan. Amen. Amen. They shall be fresh and flourishing. The King James says fat and flourishing. I like that. Spiritually, it means (laughs) spiritually healthy on the blessings of God. Spiritually healthy on the blessings of God. Fat on the blessings. Somebody start a band. Fat on the blessings. Flourishing. Luxuriant means, it means luxuriant, abundant in growth. Amen. Still. And why? Verse 15, to declare that the Lord is upright. See, you being planted in the house of God through the years is developing a testimony for your life, for not only your children and grandchildren to see, but even those around you to see, whoa, something, your life is different. There's something really great about it. It's this testimony, and that testimony says that God is good, and he always does the right thing. He's able somehow to turn all my bad situations, my loss, my grief, all those kinds, somehow, I don't know, I can't explain it, but I'm staying connected to him because somehow God is able to turn those things around for good. So that my life continues to flourish and to go forward, to be fruitful, to increase, to break forth, and to break out. It's not because I'm so good. It's because I'm planted with his people in his house. And there's life there. There's life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. Hallelujah. And lastly, David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the courts of God than to than Thousands of days anywhere else. I'd rather spend one day, one day, one day in the house of God than a thousand anywhere else. What a marvelous thought. This guy really had a great love for the church, didn't he? One day in the house of God than a thousand anywhere else. Wow. Now do you believe today that it's a powerful moment for you? These moments here, don't ever underestimate their power and influence in your life. Amen. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. A doorkeeper which is the guy who made sure that the men who were coming into the, wasn't the guys just shaking hands out here, they got a really good job compared to what the doorkeeper back then had. He had to make sure that the men who were coming in there were Jewish men. That was his job. The doorkeeper's job, make sure all the men were covenant men. Man, what makes working anywhere else in the church a glorious experience, doesn't it? Golly, really? That's what I got to do? Well, David said, I'd rather do that than be anywhere else. Wow. Beautiful. Because they couldn't let those, gen- those uncircumcised Philistine Gentiles in there because they would defile the temple. So the doorkeeper had this very lowly job. Okay. Plant yourself where God's eyes are. Plant yourself where his heart is. Because a life planted in the house of God is a life lived at its maximum potential. Father, we love you today and we thank you for the house. We thank you, Lord. God, I want to say personally thank you for what it's done for my life. Being here. Being, being raised in the atmosphere of the gathering of God's people. Raised in this and still living in it today. What an honor it is. Though I've not appreciated it at times and understood its power. Father, I'm thanking you that... This is where we really find 
our significance in the earth. Being connected to this body and our function in it helps us realize your real purpose in the earth is one that exceeds and transcends this life. That it is an eternal life that we are living for. It's an eternal kingdom. It's an eternal church. Thank you that you so loved us that you took upon yourself all of our sins and the consequences of those sins and the guilt and the shame that come along with those sins. You took it all upon yourself. You also took our sickness and disease. You took on our curse. You bore it all and you paid it all for us. They took you down from that cross and buried you in a tomb. And for three days you were laid to rest until God raised you from the dead. On the third day, you died for our sins and you also rose again from the dead for our sins. Hallelujah. Thank you that because you're alive, we're alive. Because you're seated at the right hand of the Father, so are we. Seated in heavenly places with you. Because you reign, we reign. Because our lives are hidden in you. We're nothing without you. We can do nothing without you. But with you, all things are possible. I thank you, Lord. Help us to stay aware. Help us, Lord, not to fall asleep on this truth. That when we gather together, to have this expectation... We gather with expectation because this is where our lives thrive, being planted in the house, and it affects every area of our lives. Bless those that came in here today, God. Bless those that came in shaken today. Bless those that came in, Lord, uh, anxious and worried. Lord, I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard their hearts and minds now. Lord, those that came in sick or in pain of any kind, I pray today, Lord, that they would receive your healing power now in the name of Jesus. You paid such a great price for them. Those who came in here guilty, those who came in here feeling guilty and shameful for the things that they've done and said, Father, I thank you that now they receive your reconciliation. They receive your grace, that unearned grace. You can't earn it, but you give it to us anyway. You give it to us liberally. Lord, those here today that need direction, they need wisdom. You give wisdom liberally. I thank you for wisdom for their situation. Some here need to see a way. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said, I am the way. So acknowledge. We acknowledge you as the way. And as long as we acknowledge you in our life, then there will always be a way. I thank you, Lord, for renewing hope for people today. Those that came in discouraged, Lord, they would leave encouraged today. Hallelujah. Those that came in down, they would leave up today by your grace and mercy and your love. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon all these who are here. Lord, you know them, and you know that what their needs are before they even ask. But you said, if you'll ask, you will receive. If you'll seek, you will find. If you'll knock, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Thank you for these great promises. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.